I'm Dorianne Wheel. Welcome to Thrive with Dr. D. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thrive with Dr. D. I'm Dorianne Wheel, and I welcome you to the show that is concerned with you and living your very, very best life. And I tell you what was so interesting. I was driving along in my car and I was listening to this kind of dulcet voice of somebody who really caught my attention. And I thought, I need to access this person and I need to get this person onto my show. There was something a little bit different about Joshua Ramsey. Josh is talking about parenting in the digital age. Very, very interesting. I want to talk about parenting in the digital age and why it's so different from parenting in any other age. Why should we should be talking about that but it there was something else. It was an authenticity. It was a feeling of openness. The talk wasn't textbook kind of talk. It was real talk with lots of shared experiences and stories. And Josh, that's why I called you, tracked you down, Hmm. didn't know Josh before. And I thought, you know what, this is going to be of real interest to us and to all of the listeners. We have to talk about some of the changes Mm. in our children in this age. In fact, I can tell you as recently as last night, and I see my son very, very busy on his phone. I said, Dean, what are you doing? He said, I'm talking to someone. But you're not talking at all. There's not one single word that is coming out of your mouth. You mean you're texting. And it just sort of struck me, especially knowing that I was having you on the show today, that, you know, the kids you talking and texting sort of synonymously. Mm. They mean communicating, but it's completely different kind of communication to what I would say, where you look in someone's eyes particularly, mm-hmm. and there's body language. Yeah. So your company is called Be In Touch. Mm-hmm. It's a lovely name, also resonated with me very, very Thank much. You. And your background has been very diverse. Yeah. You're from being an educator, from being in the film industry, from being a stuntman and a model, to working with kids and parents now. And it seems that this is, you are excited about it. It's your passion. And you want to make a difference in the space. Yeah, most definitely. I love that quote that says there's two great moments in life, one when you're born and then the other when you find out why. And I really feel like I've landed in that space now of of helping parents interact with the digital age they find themselves in and really setting up their children for success in this world where technology is synonymous with advancement and communication and where the world is going. But exactly what you're saying, without losing that sense of depth that sense of authenticity and and being able to bring their full selves and their best selves into this world using technology and not being used by it. Tell me how you are equipped because it's a massive desired outcome, this. Yeah. so It's a challenge. It is. It oh. is. And I think when I speak to parents, it's it's really about getting them to understand that regulation or some form of control is really just a short-term solution. But really what we're looking for these open channels of communication where parents and children can really rely on one another and support one another through all the challenges that they face in life. Personally, my story kind of started at my own exposure to pornography at about age nine. And, you know, I joke with parents that I'm not surprised that I was exposed to pornography because I think it's a when and not an if. And we're seeing that more and more in this digital age that we're in. But what surprises me is that I didn't run home to my parents and say, hey, guys, I saw this incredible movie. It made me feel things I've never felt before. you got to watch it. There was this sense of taboo, the sense of shame, which 
which really is part of the issue of this the, the, the hyper-stimulating digital media of which pornography is one, where children are not getting the, the objective feedback and starting to understand the impact of what they're doing. And they're just isolating themselves and building this relationship with a fantasy media, which sets them up for disappointment as well as a kind of neurophysiological disadvantage in terms of when they become adults and step out so into the workplace. So you've spoken about pornography as sort of one thing. Mm. Um, perhaps interestingly enough, it's an important aspect because of the opportunity for exposure now, mm. which is greater yeah. in the digital age than it ever was. Mm. But it was sort of kind of always around. And you yeah. sort of, you, you, what you were saying was that it's inevitable. Yeah. Would you say that let's just highlight that a little bit and use it as a springboard to talking about other things, that that is kind of part of growing up mm. and that part of establishing your own kind of identity, sometimes even a bit of a secret identity, as long as it doesn't go over the top or something that you do with peers, but out of necessity, not exactly share absolutely everything with parents. Yeah. Because you've got to individuate. Indeed, indeed. You know, as you're growing up. Wasn't that always there? Or what's the greatest so challenge I think, now? I think that has always been there. And, you know, the, the primary developmental goal of that is shifting the primary point of support from parents onto peers. So that when your children are 18 or 19, when they leave home for the first time, they've got the skills, the negotiation skills, impulse control, social emotional learning to earn their own income and support themselves. What I think is different about the the digital age is that the form of media that they now that children are now interacting with is not as subtle as what it may have been in past generations. So for example, if we take the pornography example, there's a piece in my talks, which, you know, some talks are specifically about pornography, and it's a section called Not Your Dad's Porn, because in essence, there was a lot of risk involved for, for the last generation to find this material. So you'd have to go and try and find some money, then go down to the store and maybe take it off the top shelf and sneak Put it, it in home. a brown paper bag. Brown paper bag, there huh. you go. But now what we're seeing is that children have access to high-speed internet pornography. So this is high-definition, very hardcore pornography that is often layered in with themes of domination, subjugation, and the kind of overt themes that really cause a distortion of the understanding of what reality is like. And because children and all humans are hardwired for novelty, we're always wanting a new experience and we're looking for new experiences. The high-speed digital media and pornography in particular plays into that by looping the children into more and more use. Are you saying, I mean, very interested in the way that you're expressing this, like looping the children in mm. as if there really is a strategic, sinister, deliberate, yeah. Motive, probably underlined by, I was going to say money, but you yeah. tell me. Yeah, so the, the corporate speak to kind of justify this nefarious use of technology to get children to buy into using products and platforms is called persuasive technology, which is a very nice way of describing how they manipulate the psychological and physiological vulnerabilities of children and what age are we talking about? So we're talking about from age about nine all the way through to adolescence is now said to go through all the way to 24, which is interesting because about 50 or 60 years ago, adolescence kind of stopped at 16 mm. to 18. Mm. And if you think even more, 100 years before that, we had kings and emperors, you know, running whole nations at age 13. Mm. So 
The reason for that is that in these earlier generations, children were taking more risks and were developing interpersonal skills much more early in their lives. And actually, if you take the average 18-year-old's brain and you put them through a CAT scan and you addressed or you had a look at the structural integrity of the the thinking aspect of the brain or the the cognitive strategic neocortex Mm. exactly. If you look at an 18-year-old's brain now and had a look at that structure compared to an 18-year-old's brain of about 50 or 60 years ago, the scan of the 18-year-old today would correlate to probably a 16-year-old or a 14-year-old 50 to 60 years ago. Now, that is ago. fascinating, it and is. I know we're digressing. We but do. Our, our, <laughs> we are. <laughs> we're digressing. I don't want to lose that because, of course, kind of the common knowledge, which we don't even question, is that we develop earlier, mm. and especially physiologically mm. in many ways. You know, we learn that um, the early onset of menstruation is younger today than it ever was mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. We have an expectation of a different kind of behavioral maturity, yeah. uh, which might not be real. From yeah. what you're saying, I guess that you're going to say, no, they are not. So it's quite interesting to see why that is happening and how that's reflecting physiologically on the brain. Because I think what we're implying here is because of different experiences, they're growing up in a certain way mm. later. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. So it's it really is changing the developmental process because there's a real theme that underpins a lot of this digital age and the way that it's impacting children in terms of fantasy versus reality. And that might be in terms of the way that the child is starting to believe that the world operates. I had a great example of a father who took his son great expense and time lost to on a family trip to go fishing. So you can picture the scene, father and son, very archetypal, mist rising off the water, and they're fishing for about five minutes, and then the son says... Dad, this is so boring. If I was playing Minecraft, which is a very popular mm, game in that sure. age group, I would have caught 10 fish by now. So there's the one example of how fantasy and reality are being distorted. But more than that, the way in which children expect the world to be is really changed. And another aspect of this fantasy and reality distortion is that children are, are not able to to kind of engage with the world in its own terms, in the terms of reality, because they have these expectations about what they believe it to be. Mm. Another aspect of this is that children have the illusion of maturity because they're exposed to these advanced adult concepts and they have the, the vocabulary to describe their experience, but they do not have the neurological stability to actually deal with what they're talking mm. about. And it's lulling parents into this false sense of confidence that it's fine. My children know more about tech than I do. They'll be fine. They have to know how to operate these devices. I'll Look, leave them to their own devices. Look, they do know more about tech though, Josh. Mm. You know, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I could say, eh, various young people in my house, of which there are many, at usually one time. I mean, or I, one of them gets called at least probably once every second day. Help with this yeah. and how do you do that and yeah. so on and so on. And it's amazing. Mm. You know, my son was on a road trip in the States and he came back with what he considered and it actually was. It was interesting. And this is how, this is, I want to talk to you about how you make the tech work in your favor mm. because that's here to stay. Yeah. You know, some of these things that you've spoken about, the difference between reality and fantasy, what do you do about it as a yeah. parent? That's where we've got to go now. Yeah, exactly. The thing is, I mean, sitting and fishing, how do you 
teach them to be in the present moment mm. with their senses fully receptive, mm-hmm. just being so grateful mm-hmm. for the connection mm-hmm. that they've got between their father and them, mm. and to kind of take a mind shot, never mind a screenshot, you know, a mind shot like that. of that kind of magic moment mm. that will live inside them forever. Mm. Remember the day we went fishing and it yeah. was so beautiful. Yeah. Not the day we stopped fishing because I was bored. Yeah. So there's, there are these challenges which we need to unpack more. Yeah, so just focusing on solutions and how do we make technology work for our children. Yeah, I, yeah. I know what I was telling you. I was telling you about this wonderful device, which was considered as the perfect gift for mom. Okay. And he gives me what looks to me to be like a mug. He knows that I drink a lot of tea and coffee. It's black. And then I look a bit further and there's a charger. And what he's found, and there's an app, okay, that you put on your phone that goes with us. Mom, you drink so many cups of tea and you never finish them because you always let them get (laughs) cold. I found something where there was thought, right? Thoughtfulness, a perfect present where your tea will stay hot for Mm. one and a half hours in this mug. Fantastic. And I thought to myself, this is a thoughtful present, which indicates that, okay, there is caring Mm. and mindfulness Mm. about other people and about themselves, but using technology as an advantage at the same time. And that's fantastic. How's that for a gift? That's perfect. And, you know, it's a yeah. great example of, of technology working for us. I mean, the fact that we can sit here in this studio and record something that's going to go out to countless people and impact their lives is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Our position at Be In Touch is just to say not all technology is made equally mm-hmm. and with the same intention. So if your child is getting plugged into social media very young, they're not going to be aware of the, the persuasive technology behind how their psychological vulnerabilities being are being used against mm. them to buy them into the device. And there's a great example of how we can empower our children in terms of these solutions that you're talking oh, about. That's what I want to talk to you about. So yeah. what do we do? So one more thing to just give context of how powerful this kind of solution-oriented thinking can be. In the 70s and 80s, when the cigarette companies were really pushing hard at the teenage market, NGOs and parent organizations came back to the teenagers and spent a lot of money pushing this narrative of be a good teen, don't smoke, be the teen your parents want you to be, and all that kind of moral imperative. And of course, the teens turned around and said, another way to stick it to the man? This is great. Give me a cigarette. And it was only when those organizations turned around and said to the kids, Okay, guys, let's reveal the corporate playbook. This is why they want you to start at 13, because by 34, this is the amount of money you would have paid them. You see this advert over here? See the two children in the back there talking the way that they are, holding this and that? That sends this message to do this and that. And once the teenagers were kind of aware of the ways in which they were being manipulated, they were like, meh. I'm not going to smoke. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to play by their rules. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the solutions that we're looking for, it's really about empowering children and being very careful that we stay on the empowerment side of the curiosity creation because that's the real piece to be aware of is that, for example, if your child is in a playing a computer game, playing Fortnite or playing PUBG, one of these online mm-hmm. games, and they're in a microphone environment where they can chat with other people, it only takes a 25-year-old from Tokyo to say 10 words that your 12-year-old will now search for online, which will dismantle their whole worldview. So we're really wanting parents to... Like what? Um, would you mind just unpacking that? A bit? I mean, that's just, fascinating. Just, what could they hear? So, for example, I, 
I'm a reformed gamer myself. I've loved games my entire life, and I now play them in a much more healthy way in terms of the time spent doing it. But part of my job is to to go and check out the games that children are playing and, and find out what's happening in those spaces. So yeah, yeah, it's really part of your job. I know, it really is. It's an important part of my job. <laughs> yeah, <time>. okay. <laughs> uh. And um, I was in one of these games, and I met this 26-year-old guy from Tokyo, and he was telling me about the girls that he meets on this platform and how he connects with them. And that was fine for me to deal with as an adult. But if I was 12 years old and he simply mentioned, say, a chat room that he might use Mm. to connect with them, or he might describe what he got up to on the weekend and name certain drugs and alcohol or name certain female body parts or positions that he was in with those women, those are the kind of search terms that a 12-year-old will then innocently go, I don't want to be left out of what these mm. cool adult guys are talking about. Let me find out what they're talking about. Mm. Give us some tips. And what do you do tell the parents in your talks about how to parent in the digital age? In terms of the two easy speaking points, and again, it's an ongoing conversation. Uh, there's an author called Daniel Siegel, perhaps you've heard of him, who has a beautiful way of describing, a simple way of describing how the brain works. And he's got this model called the hand-brain model, which just gives children and adults a common language of understanding the difference between the thinking brain and the feeling brain. And he stresses the point which we iterate that there needs to be a balance in the growth of both of them. And so when children are interacting with hyperstimulating digital media, whether that's social media or violent media or pornography or, you know, first person shooters, they're really overstimulating the feeling brain, which makes them more impulsive and less able to control their their responses. Makes them more hyped up and crazy. Exactly. D- Makes them, yeah, let's simplify <laughs> okay. it. Hyped up and crazy. Yeah. So the two p- talking points that we have for parents are to teach the simple model of the brain to their children and then to use it to check in. You know, that game you're playing, is it feeding your thinking brain or is it feeding your feeling brain? And how is your thinking brain doing? How is your feeling brain doing? And, and the idea of flipping your lid, you know, when you when your thinking brain goes offline and you're completely consumed with your feeling brain and you can very, very quickly mine a story out of them when you lost at that game you were playing for 20 minutes and you got really angry and punched the door, which brain were you using? Feeling brain. Mm. And so to use that as a living metaphor to keep asking them about. So that's the one talking point. And then the second one is, of course, you know what FOMO is. Absolutely. The fear, fear of missing, of missing out. out. Yeah. Horrible thing. Yeah. So yeah. when we, when I talk to parents, it's about um, the concept of JOMO, the joy of missing out. So you can very quickly check with your child, is what you're doing now making you feel FOMO or JOMO? And if it is making you feel FOMO, you can either stop what you're doing or go out and do something about it. If you're watching a video of a 13-year-old girl who's climbing Everest and you're feeling like, what am I doing with my life? I can't even make the B-team hockey. You know, that's still a drive for them to go out and do something. But it doesn't help that they sit there and just feel bad about the media that they're watching. Now, let me ask something. What about if the FOMO is really misdirected? So the fear of missing out isn't climbing Everest. The fear of missing out is I want to be at that party where they're mm. doing this, all mm. of this stuff. Exactly. So there, for me, that comes down to the rapport with parents. Because as you were saying in this in this digital space where maybe a youngster is looking to someone that has 200 more followers than them, they're ascribing to that person a status that is not really deserving. So if your child is feeling this FOMO, that they're feeling excluded and they want to do something about it, 
You need to have the relationship with your child where they'll come to you instead of going online to Instagram and going to the, fo- the, the person they follow that has 300 more followers and asking them, hey, what should I do about this thing that I, I wasn't invited to? How do I get into the, the club of friends that are doing these things? If they look at this and they say, no, I want to be them. And I want to be them. And in fact, I don't even want my parents to know Mm. because some of the things that they're doing, they're not going to approve of. Mm. I don't think it's impossible, but often unlikely. Yeah. The challenge is real, not just to me, but to parents everywhere to build that kind of relationship with their children. What we're advocating and saying is that the idea of exposure or the idea of of this desire to, to interact with things that are not allowed it can come from the child, but it can also just happen to the child. So, you know, whether it's the first bit of drugs they offered or take or alcohol or maybe the first major breakup or even as they get older, the first time they're fired from a job, all of those are exposure moments or moments when they need to get some feedback and they need support. And How do you create that rapport? So we talk about creating a digital family alliance with your children. So kind of taking the time to model the kind of vulnerability that you're wanting them to be expressing towards you. So owning the fact that as a parent, I'm needing to reduce my time spent in digital media and getting the children on board with kind of supporting one another. So you can say to your child, can you make sure that I never look at my phone when I'm driving and just remind me of that. And in turn, when you need to do your homework, I'll make sure that you've got the space to do that. So you can set up some form of kind of contract. Yeah, a contract together. And on our website, we've got resources that can help you do this. Can I talk about another kind of vulnerability? Mm. Because I think that that's excellent, what you're saying about the sharing. And, you know, I'm not only applying these rules to you. Mm. I want you to apply these rules to me. Mm. And the reason for doing it is I want closeness and Mm. I want connection. Exactly. And I want conversation and I want time with you. Yeah. And then that kind of vulnerability that I think does lead to rapport. Yeah. That you do any, that you can take further. And the reason that I want, you know, the, 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 the sort of thing is that I get upset when I feel that these kind of things take up so much time and I miss you. Mm. And I need to have, Mm. I'd like to have that kind of time Mm. with you. It's really special. That's also taking your feeling and putting it out there. They're Mm. probably going to be dismissive in a way and say, yeah, yeah. But actually, I think that those kind of things count a little bit. Most definitely. To be able to say as a parent, you know what? I effed up sometimes. I made mistakes. Mm. You know, you. and when I look at this, what happens is that I worry. That I really worry because I want you to go out and have fun. I want you to be yeah. proud, part of the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love it, you know, if you came back and said it was fantastic. I also get scared if it gets too much. Mm. So can you understand that? And can we talk about you going out and having a great, great time? Mm. And in, but reassuring yourself and me that it's not going to be excessive. So just to all the listeners, the last 90 seconds of what you've been saying is a masterclass in really communicating with your children vulnerably. Because even just now, you know, being in conversation with the way in which you were describing what you're talking about, that is going to send such a powerful message to your children. And yes, they might roll their eyes and they might say, well, that'll never happen or whatever. But when it comes down to it, when they're crying in a bathroom because they've been bullied at, at school, they're going to remember that mom 
wants to know, mom cares, mom's putting in the time to find out about how I'm doing, and there will be an open channel of communication. Absolutely. And when yeah. they call mom, mom isn't going to yeah. or dad, of course, the parent. <laughs> of course. They're of not going to say, and what the hell did you do yeah, you dead. to get you this? Exactly. What they're going to say is, yeah. this is hard. You're going yeah. through a really yeah. hard time. Yeah. Let's calm you down. Yeah. Talk to me yeah. about it. Exactly. I mean, if they are of the mindset that immediately, before you even know how to connect and listen to them, mm. there's going to be blame. I promise you that brick wall will be built up brick so by brick over a period of Part of, of the time. work that, that we do at Be In Touch is uh, we do work in schools and a part of that process is collecting data from the children. And that is a, a it's, it's the end of the lesson that I run with the children. Once we've built up a bunch of rapport and we play a game, I put up three posters around the room, yes, no, and maybe. And we explore things like control, content, friendship. And what comes out of that is this correlation between I've seen something disturbing or inappropriate on, online, and then the next question, I would tell my parents about it. Mm. And there we get this, it, it's a subjective indicator, so it's more just uh, you know, proposing some form of intervention, but it's exactly that. The children are saying, I wouldn't tell my parents because they freak out, mm. and they'll take away my device, mm. and I'll never be able to talk exactly. to my friends ever again. Exactly. And so we really position it to the parents that you've got to be proactive mm. about this. You mm. can't be reactive. Mm. You can't talk to your child about pornography in the moment that you've bust them and walked into the room because they're in a shame chamber. Mm. They can't even hear what you're saying. Mm. Their heart is racing. They're mm. feeling like the worst human in the world. Mm. So that's not the time to try and educate mm. them or empower them. Mm. So what you're saying is, is you know, very much on the money. The final process that we do is, is we do a written feedback process where the children describe what they've seen. And then we, we use that in, to try and identify a percentage of exposure that we can then feed back to the parents and the teachers. You have a specific designed program mm. for both parents and children. And you go into schools primarily. Yeah. yeah. And you work with them separately. And do you ever work with them together? Or is that not part of it? Yeah, so currently our offering is around standalone talks where I can go in and speak to the children themselves, that's junior and high school, and we work directly with the schools in terms of designing what content they want covered because, you know, obviously each school has its own challenge. And then aside to that, we offer this kind of comprehensive program of speaking to the parents, the teachers, and the children with a few, you know, content points that we get across to empower the, the conversations that they can have. And a part of that is collecting some data that the school can then use to justify a policy change. If they've got a digital policy, maybe they need to change it. Maybe they need a series of workshops on having awkward conversations with children. But really, we, we put that data in the school's hands to then motivate some form of intervention. Mm. And we at Be In Touch are really not looking to reinvent the wheel. So we've got some great alliances. One of them is with Dialynerd, that old, the classic IT company. So they provide a kind of a home service solution to parents. They'll go in, they'll install the software on your computers and your apps and your phones and get you all sorted out and content blocking. And if you have any problems, you can call them. So we've got a great alliance with them and, you know, this new wave of technology that's coming through in terms of it's called mesh Wi-Fi. So people are buying new routers anyway. So we're saying, well, why don't you go to dial nerd because their routers have a, pro a product called Circle with Disney, which is a hardware solution on filtering the content that's mm. available at home. Mm. So we're not going to reinvent that wheel. dial nerd can support with that. We're in conversation with another great company called CyberShop and they have a K through 12 
online learning platform that takes your children through cyberbullying, digital citizenship, um, sexting and nudes, how to deal with difficult sure. conversations. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways in which we can support families with this. But often, and I think you know this, having, you know, presented so many workshops and talks, very often it's the, the parents that are in the room are not necessarily yeah. the parents that have to be in the room. 100%. And how do we get that other 50% that are on the maybe side? Because there is that 20% that aren't interested. They're kind of, they're happy for their children to run wild on the internet and they don't see any issues. So guys, that. if you are one of those parents who are on the no or maybe side. Come on over. Come on over. <laughs> and I'm not saying it not to say, come on. you know, I, re I think if I had to say to you, do you want to thrive as a parent? Mm. Mm. Do you want to be the best parent you can be? Because, you know, I mean, that's still that classic statement by it was Gandhi who said, be the change yeah. you wish to see in the world. Wow. You know, you can't just bundle up your kids, tie a ribbon on them and say, okay, you go, you go and mm. listen to this and hear what they have. You know, there's only one person in the whole world who they will ever call mom and one who they will ever call dad. And you need to be that. They're going to have lots of friends. Yeah. Many, many friends. Sometimes the parents say to me, my child is my best friend. I say, I'm so sorry Therefore, to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not that I mean that, of course, if they yeah. have fun and they no, communicate and all of that. But it's also about guidance. Mm. And it's about our partner with you mm. and navigate this obstacle course called life. And you don't have to do it alone. Yeah. And there's sometimes you're going to choose to engage me and many times where you definitely will when there's a challenge. And I'm just feeling, you know, just from listening to you that parenting is parenting and hopefully good parenting is always. But now there are so much more challenges. Mm. You also offer more opportunities, but in addition, more dangers. Mm. So that if we're going to willingly step into the space called being a parent, let's also willingly embrace what we can to do the best possible job. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So, Josh. Thank you. That's an absolute pleasure. It's so nice to meet nice you. Nice to meet and, you too. And I look forward to more talks and supporting your amazing work in any way that and I can. And vice versa. Yeah. I mean, it's wonderful to see something just rising mm. like a phoenix in response and in anticipation mm. of need. Mm. It's really, really well needed. So it's beintouch.com. Beintouch.org.za. Oh, .org. Okay, yeah. sorry. Please, I said it. Beintouch.org.za. Yes, yeah. You can speak to Josh. And if you're interested in hearing more about this at your school or setting up groups of parents or mm. anything that he might be able to design to meet your needs, please be in touch. And I look forward to seeing you next time on Thrive with Dr. D. I'm Dorianne Wheel. Thanks for listening to Thrive with Dr. D, a Jackpot podcast.